Hello and welcome to Birdcast, a podcast looking at all iterations of Nigel Neal's Quatermass stories on film, TV and radio. We've done the experiments, we've done the twos, had a sidestep into X the Unknown. Now there's only one way to go, straight down, deep into humanity's past, as horror and fantasy writer Moira McHugh joins us for a deep dive or excavation into Quatermass and the pit. I'd like to start um, by asking Moira how you first encountered Quatermass, because the people we've interviewed so far are British and either knew of Quatermass from their parents or saw it on DVD or, or sorry, saw it on, on, on video when it came out in, 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 in 86 or um, we, we became aware of it through the gateway drug of Doctor Who. Um, but you grew up in, in West Ireland, I believe, so... I presume you didn't know of it as a child, so I wondered how you how you first encountered Quatermass. Yeah, I mean, my interest in Quatermass came about much later on, and that's to do with uh, when I started studying film, and then I, I did a pl- diploma in film studies and then a uh, master's in screenwriting. And around that time, and, and I know for sure that I had seen some of the, I'd seen one of the Quatermass and the Pit movie when I was in my teens, or at some time I'd seen it on television, um, but it wasn't until I started studying film and, uh, you know, had an interest in screenwriting that I came across, Nigel Neal in particular, and then when I was writing the piece for We Are the Martians, the collected mm-hmm. essays, on Nigel Neal that I did a very very deep dive into the wonderful world that is Nigel Neal (laughs) and uh, then I started paying particular attention to all his works which was a great joy. How did you encounter him was it a Quatermass film or were you made aware of Neal as 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 a screenwriter generally? Yeah, I became aware of him as a screenwriter generally and then I went back and looked at all of his pieces and uh, become a great admirer of his work. So I didn't, um, a lot of my friends did actually watch Doctor Who when they were a kid, but I only uh, watched it intermittently. Uh, I grew up in a <laughs> quite a, a black zone, um, pre-internet and mm. uh, in a very few channels where I grew up. Um, so as a result, a lot of the English classics um, just passed me by. I was too, I mean, and also I was older, you know, than when they first started coming out. Um, so yeah, I came to them later as an adult, not as a child. But, you know, I still, I, I, I like to think I have a childlike wonder <laughs> when I approach these things. I think that's the best way to approach it, though, isn't it? You have that kind of innocent, brilliant until proven rubbish kind of mm. attitude when you go into a thing. I mean, that's that's how I, I normally do stuff. I, I was I, I, I was excited to read your essay on Nigel Neal and, and to, to notice that you two had seized on the line, we don't go back yeah. from Murren, which, yeah. of course, I thought was like a central thing in folk horror. And, mm-hmm. you know, why I, why I titled the book that. Um, so, you know, I could sort of see reading that, you know, I came to Nigel Neal quite late as well. I understood, you know, there, there were things I 
I discovered quite late on. I, read, I watched the Quatermass experiment on TV as a kid. The, not, not the experiment, Quatermass in the Pit movie on TV as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always that but, one, I think, because that's the only one that ever got repeated because it was in colour. Well, yeah, and it's pretty great. Um, and it was only in, in my 20s that you know I discovered things like the stone tape and... Um, and much, much later that, that I actually watched um, the recent stuff. So John's coming as a long-time fan. I'm someone who picked up on Nigel Neal's work very late on in the last three or four years. Um, and so we've got this kind of differing perspectives here. So it's, it's always good to hear how we find this stuff and where it is, I think. So, so what, what's, what, what do you think is great about Nigel Neal personally? What's your favourite thing about I um, actually am a huge admirer of his work at this point. I thought I think he was incredibly prescient in his science fiction. Um, mm, yeah. In particular, I remember when I watched uh, the year of the Sex Olympics. I was oh, yes. I was blown away actually at uh, an idea about uh, reality television, which really wasn't you know in existence that mm. uh, he went and did uh, such an incredible look at what would happen if 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 this kind of um, um, future came upon us where you know and and apart from anything what I love is that line you you said we don't go back I love the fact that Neil uh, his work is very much about the intersection of the scientific point of view with the, um, uh, you know, with our kind of superstitious background of the idea that, you know, over time we understand why we held these superstitions, but we shouldn't go back. We should always be going forward into trying to understand, not to be uh, chained by our superstitions and I think in the culture that we have at the moment of alternative facts um, Neil's work is still really really uh, amazing viewing. It really is I think he taps into one of the great things of horror which is essentially to write something that's perverse to write something that is against what you believe personally so we didn't have ghost stories until people stopped believing in ghosts we just had stories with ghosts in but the actual ghost story is when people largely don't believe in ghosts we we you have lovecraft who you know awful but you know lovecraft's an atheist and he writes stories about god empirically existing and i think neil does this sort of thing neil's neil someone who actually probably has a lot of had a lot of faith in science from what i could tell and his stories are all about science butting up against the irrational in some way or another. Mm. And, and I mean, he wants the uh, rational explanation. And I think um, it goes back to that classic adage that, you know, everything is magic until you uh, come up with the scientific explanation. Um, and and I think that's what I really adli- like about the work. But he does, yeah. he does also constantly show that the the human mind is, you know, difficult and complex, and you know there there aren't easy explanations. Though there may be down the line, but currently there isn't. And also that our instincts towards um, 
anger, you know, suspicion, paranoia, uh, fear uh, are what, you know, destroy our world constantly. And you can see that very much in Quatermass and the Pit. Absolutely. It's like there's a rational explanation, but that doesn't mean that people aren't going to be irrational about it. Mm -hmm. You know, the rational still brings the irrational and terror. It's almost as if the rational explanation doesn't matter. It, it's, abso it's, ab it's, a it's absolutely that. You can rationally explain the phenomena, but it doesn't, dis it doesn't dilute its power. But actually, what the situation is, is that... Um, you know, part of our human being, and this is in loads of science fiction, like uh, say Jekyll and Hyde, etc., is that there is a part of our makeup which is uh, very old and not very rational, <laughs> and it's mm. the it's the part of us that got us through, you know, being uh, surrounded by tigers and uh, you know other creatures and yeah you know it's that instinct that gets us through these things but as we have evolved we've also evolved irrationality and a lot of uh, you know there are it, there are a lot of science fiction um films and uh uh books all about the struggle between the two you know the rationality and that uh, strong instinct now, unfortunately, the we should be we should be going forward, um, and that's again we come back to we don't go back. The idea is we should be going forward, but unfortunately, you know we keep lapsing towards the irrational, the paranoia, the fear of the different, which is this whole thing that's going on with the Martians and their and their their purges that uh, occur. In, that we find out towards the end of the series and the film that the, the Martians themselves indulged in. Indeed, yeah. Um, and, and I mean, I, what, what I love about the phrase, we don't go back, is that actually not going back, not going back is something that everybody's got to be on board with because it, it's much like kind of herd immunity in that respect. Um, Incidentally, I've heard immunity has been on my mind recently because I live in Swansea and we keep having measles epidemics because of anti-vax mums at my local school. Um, sorry, I get rage. Calm down. Calm down. Right. And um, but that sort of irrationality. Also, we've all got to not go back because if even if some people, some people aren't coming forwards, that kind of ruins everybody. So it's, it's interesting, in, as, we, as we'll see when we discuss in a bit more detail in a bit, um, there's like one or two people who aren't affected at the end. The one or two people who don't go back, and, and actually the best they can do is just try, you know, drag the occasional people into a, into a pub and try to bring them to their senses, you know, but and eventually, or, yeah, at the end, and yeah. or self-sacrifice as well. To, to, yeah. to, to, or sacrifice themselves to, 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 save, to, to, save, to save the day. Um, yeah, and I think the interesting thing about the people who are immune is that they can do not a lot because the masses aren't mm. immune. And I think, again, this is why when I was watching uh, Crater Mass in the Pit, just re-watching everything in advance of this podcast, I was thinking, oh, God, it's so awful how so yeah. relevant uh, yeah, yeah. this yeah. is. Oh, it's, you painful. Know? it's painful. Yeah. And I mean, I think especially, weirdly, at the moment, um, just with the, the way uh, 
you know, it's funny that you mentioned about the anti-vaxxers. Um, all of that is um, based off a lot of irrational um, and also um, pandering to the masses in a certain way. It's a lot of canny people who know how to structure information um, uh, in ways that, you know, people... It, it, um, it hits into these kind of uh, uh, the parts of the brain which are more about uh, suspicion and fear and rather than, uh, you know, rational thought. And this is, uh, you know, it's really clear in Quetchmas and the Pit. We also open with, um, I, 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 I like the way, I mean, as well as being a, 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 a writer who understood, uh, I think, humanity very well, he structures um, his story, his story is so well. That opening shot of, of the first episode, the half man, you have the Hobbs Lane sign with the two with the two B's, and immediately below it, you have the Hobbs Lane sign, the older sign with a, with a, mm -hmm. with, a, with only one B. We're already suggesting like there's there are lay there are layers here, and then yeah, uh, absolutely. And then with perfect metaphor, we go to a building site. You know, it's as as common in 1950. In, well, it was, well, we don't. It's set in so let's say 1958 for for, for 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 convenience sake, when it was when it when it when it when it, when it was broadcast. It's a common site in the post-war um, in post-war London of clearing uh, of of, mm -hmm. you know, of clearing housing. It's a it's a com it's a, it's, a, it's a common site now. Although now they're building. They're, they're, they're building Skyrise office box, but you know, building layers, pulling back is, and what I really liked about the, you know, how, how quick we, we get into the action is when they, when, they when they uncover the skull, is now you would see the sort of gothic cliche of like uncovering a skull as in in film as as potentially sinister as a hob as a harbinger of doom as it as it presented to be, but the fact is the um, the workmen are all quite excited. Well, obviously, mm -hmm. this is um, yeah, this is is this a find? Can we make money out of this? I, I think that's a that's a, that that that's a, that that's that that's that's a nice touch. Yeah, I, I yeah, I think um, it was funny. I I also rewatched the movie and I was struck by the difference in the um, the two sets. Uh, mm. The movie being way more claustrophobic because it's actually underground, uh, where actually Quatermass in the Pit is a, a pit that's exposed to the air so there yeah. is a sense of there's the I, I mean I think that's one of the good things about the movie is that sense of claustrophobia that uh, um, is in it for most of the uh, most of the film um, whereas in the in this film you have a kind of an open pit which is uh, it gives it a different uh, feeling as a result and when they're doing the surveying of the ground it does really come across more like an archaeological dig yeah i think you're right you as well what the clifford hats of the 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 tv set reminded me of um i went to the uh stanley kubrick design exhibition um la la last week and mm -hmm. the um uh, you know the, where they've where they've uh, unearthed the monolith in, on the moon, uh, mm. and they walked and they you have you have that um, ramp down. And I thought the, uh, the 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 structure, the design of of that with the monolith rather than the spaceship, as we as as, as we as, as 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 we later see. And I wondered if um, if Kubrick perhaps had seen Quatermass and thought that was a Quatermass in the pit and thought that was a that 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 was a good nice. Anyway, sorry, go. No, 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 just actually it's an interesting point because I think I was um, saying to a friend recently that uh, 
you know, that classic line, we're standing on the shoulders of giants, mm. is always the, true in film. You know, when you get to a certain point and you've seen so many films, your influences become sometimes unconscious. You know, you may yeah. not even be aware mm. that you are uh, using elements that you've seen before. So, I mean, it's, it, it's quite, it could, it could well be the case. Yeah, and I think Indeed. I think Neil's uh, sort of infects has sort of infected a whole culture of writing and genre. Um, I mean, but you know, at the time this this wasn't seen as you know science fiction TV or TV. This was this was prime time. This was prime time telly. You know, mm-hmm. particularly now we're into the you're into the we're into the third serial. Um, things have moved, albeit we're still we're still broadcasting live, but there's substantially more yeah, film, filmed inserts, they're getting more confident. BBC is having to raise its game. I mean, this is 58. ITV's now started, so it's it, that can import American American serials. And, and there's, yeah, so there's, yeah. there's, um, there's leaps and bounds to come on, but um, um, as we go through, as, as we go through that for the first episode, which I think is an absolute masterclass of, 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 in, of info dumping, because after you've had you've had the skull, there's that pan across um, the um, the newspaper headlines uh, yeah. that gets uh, the gets the fact that they're un, 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 uncovering more and more. And this also has to be one of the first sort of uses of as um, press conference to to info dump um, mm. and, and, and get and, and, and get the story moving, which I which 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 which. which, which, which uh, yeah, I was actually very struck by the um, the panning of the the headlines because, yeah. from a kind of writing perspective, it's a it's it also gives you a sense of time progression. Mm. Uh, from like there has been several days that elapse between finding it and then the uh, the press conference. You know, uh, yeah, it's, I I just uh, it's a very simple mechanism. You know, it's nothing uh, outrageous, but it's just nicely done. As a writer, how how um, much of a challenge do you find having having to info dump? Oh yeah, that is yeah. one of the biggest. <laughs> you know, it's like how do you do it in a natural way mm. so that it's not uh, impinging on the action and you're also progressing the story. Uh, what you do not want is a great grinding halt. <laughs> Uh, but uh, Neil always has great characters, you see, in his stories. And, of course, great actors. The BBC had their pick of uh, people. And, you know, again, uh, a lot of them, even though there's a slight, that slight BBC archness to the characters, many of them are, are just very naturalistic, um, especially uh, the kind of ordinary people. Neil had a great way of writing um just uh, accented people like um, and 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 then the actors they're very good at casting good actors for them oh yeah absolutely I mean this is a thing that as we've gone through the series so far we've come up with again and again and again the fact that Neil can just produce ordinary people mm-hmm. and you know give you an entire life in a couple of lines you can just you, you just nail down a character in a few lines and give you somebody who is delightful sometimes or terrifying or all those other things. You think of the, um, the farmers in Murren mm-hmm. who aren't actually hugely characterized in terms of dialogue, but mm-hmm. what you do get is, is fantastic, isn't it? It's, it's just so, so ripe. He's also good as well. And I think this moves on to the next bit with getting, um, politics underlying politics 
in things. Mm. You know, what's going on at the time? So you talked about he's prescient with reality TV with the year of the Sex Olympics. But you look at the Stone Tape. The Stone Tape has all about how the British manufacturing industry is failing Mm. Mm -hmm. throughout that. You know, that whole thing where they can't make a washing machine that works and make it cheaper than a Japanese one. And in Quatermass in the Pit, you've got that entire interesting setup point where the British rocket group is now being given over to the military because we're stepping up the Cold War. Oh, but even more, even more specific than that, before that, you've got the, um, at the, uh, Rooney, at the, at the, at the press conference, he's under pressure because the, the construction company wants, still wants, still wants, still wants to, you know, wants to finish their job. They, oh, need, yeah. they, they need paying, workers, workers need paying. You know, any, any construction worker now will find, you know, uh, we'll 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 find 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 a family of newts and building work will stop and there'll be you know they'll they'll be they'll be pressured to go get, get find somewhere else for these newts or your bat you know bats protect protect any, anything is a protected species and that will have that will have consequences here we find absolutely the um, the British rocket group being given to the military is 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 is, 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 is fundamental but it's I think mirrored beautifully by this seemingly more mundane but just as important. Um, Battle that that Rune is having to to, to 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 save the dig. That's why he has the press conference. That's why he's trying to trying to capture the the the, pu- the public imagination and that. And, and this is this is one of the reasons it's so great, isn't it? Because it's got a context. Yeah. Because you're yeah. watching it, and no matter how ridiculous the idea of five million year old Martians in a spaceship that didn't decay and hasn't been fossilized, really, um, is because it's, yeah. it's set in a context we can believe. Absolutely. Yeah. With people we can believe. Mm. Yeah, I we, mean, we buy it. Yeah, it's one of the tenets really of science fiction or fantasy is that if you're going to have a major disruption of reality in what you're doing, then uh, you need to ground a lot of it in reality. So you have to have believable characters, um, uh, believable scenarios, and also. Um, well, the the thing I'm very struck with regarding that is that, of course, he worked in the BBC, which was a, a very difficult um, uh, bureaucratic uh, system to negotiate when you were a creative talent. Mm. And that's always been the way with, with them, you know. Uh, so I, I think he found the BBC quite um, arduous at times to uh, get projects done and also you know, they have a certain way of doing things. So I think always in his work, you can see this uh, irritation with paperwork and bureaucracy. And it's very, it's like all of it is touched upon in several points in the in the opening episode, The Halfman, when um, yeah. you have the, the whole thing about the war office taking over. Um, you have Rooney facing, uh, trying to do a sneaky... PR stunt in order to get his dig continued. Um, there's even, yeah, there's the, the, especially the scene with the with Breen and and uh, the war office and the sitting around the table and there's all these guys in uniforms and suits and paperwork and everyone's being very polite um, about the fact that they're handing over. Um, 
the, the project to um, the British Rocket Group has been taken over by the government. And also, by the way, there is a reference to, you know, bases on moon and bases on Mars. Mm. And actually, NASA is going to be setting up an, well, an orbiting station, certainly around the moon, called Artemis. That is actually going to happen and is set for, I think, 2024, 20, thereabouts. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's interesting, actually. We, we, we often forget because um, the Quatermass series are so realistic. They are all set in the future. It's just like five minutes in the future, which is, I think, I, I don't know, is that unusual for 1950s and 60s sci-fi, that, that sort of like near future setting? Well, I think Neil has to, like, like, like and a lot of sci-fi writers will do. I mean, indeed, seventies Doctor Who would tie itself up in knots about its about, about about its dating, but grounding it in the world that everyone that everyone knows, so it can't be too far in the future, but enough to suggest that you know technology might be a little more advanced than 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 than, 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 than I'd expect. I mean, early nineteen seventy saw both you know Doctor Who and Doomwatch with you know advanced advanced British space programs, which you know was clearly not was clear was 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 clearly not the case. But there's a, there's there's a reference later on to nineteen to nineteen twenty I think twenty seven just being being like thirty years ago. So it's uh, you can't I, I don't think we can extend too um, too far into the future. It's very much the 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 the, the world that people know people know now. Um, yeah, it's next week rather yeah, than next year, that, isn't it? That's that sort of thing. I I do find the uh, the info dumping bits in the um, the war office a bit more forced than than, than, oh, they, have, yes. than, they, than they have been mm. up to that point. And similarly, in the very first episode of the Quatermass ex- experiment with Blaker, when it's we'll go through it one more time, then and I find mm. that a bit I find that a bit here with Quatermass with with uh, with Quatermass with Qu- Qu- Quatermass and Breen. But the big thing I love about this uh, about about this scene is Rooney just bursting in <laughs> to demand to demand Quatermass's help. I'd really like to see what would happen if one of us tried to just burst into Whitehall and just go into yeah. a room with the minister and how quickly we'd all get shots. Since some confusion seems to be arising, I'll ask Colonel Breen to restate it. Well, I didn't mean that... More information only. Uh, briefly, please. So a lot, a lot of this uh, is 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 indicative of um, how how Neil feels about feel Neil's about um, about bureaucracy. I mean, he left the BBC, I know, by this point, but obviously he's being and feels happier as a as a as 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 a freelance. But yeah, you can see, I think, um, how he where, where he comes down on the side of on 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 the side of people versus bureaucracy. We've also got that bridging scene actually between those two, haven't you? We've got the gentlemen's club uh, after the after the press conference when it's a established that Rooney and uh, Quatermass are old friends and have a but very much still still part part of that establishment you know, sandwiches in a gen, in a gentleman's club before we before we have um, the confrontation at the, the, the war office I think the film works works better there because in the film isn't it the captain calls Breen and says we've got a situation here and then as he's in the yeah. room with Quatermass they all they all go down which I think flows yeah. better or possibly I don't know yeah. I'm, I'm speaking to it yeah in fact there's a great deal of this episode missing in the uh, film yeah in fact the film of course has been a hammer film they <laughs> there was no law and you know hanging about in hammer uh, no. most of the time it was get on with the action and move the pace so uh, it's actually a really good adaptation I think yeah very, very much so um, so back at the pit they've uh, they've uncovered what they think is um, 
well, they don't see you don't see it, it just appears to be they assume it's a bomb. It appears to be it appears to be it appears to be metal. Um but when is it um it's Nan Broughton uh from occasionally in Dad's Army who uh, uncovers it and starts to starts to feel a, a bit unwell and they have that lovely it's Trevor Duncan who does the does the does the music he does that, 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 that music cue that he has every time there's something that we indicate something yeah something weird some 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 something is wrong but with br- brilliant british understatement uh, the, the main concern is she's making a spectacle of herself in public Dobson, are you all right? It's just my head. Oh, it's so close down here. Clear me, rather. Don't you notice it? Oh. Perhaps you ought to call it a day. Oh. Nonsense. Just a touch of migraine. Oh, look at them all gaping up there. I'm making an exhibition of myself. Cartier, who does, uh, who, well, he says produce, but there isn't a director credit because there was. Cartier um, does that lovely tableau so when, he, when he looks at, but he looks at people and it gives, I think, a nice sort of sense, sense of scale. You know, everyone wants to react. Um, but this is live, so we just sort of like pan across and pan 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 across people. Um, I think that's yeah. I think that's something to do. So and I think it, what's interesting with all of these, uh, you still see all the artifacts of uh, radio in um, in a lot of yeah. uh, television. You know, audio cues, uh, the way they talk about stuff that's offset. <laughs> you know, mm. yeah, it's the classic one of um, uh, you. The, the character is looking and saying, oh, I see a whole pile of, <laughs> you know, an invading mob, but actually all you do is hear the invading mob, you know. Um, so, it, you know, audio cues are used uh, a great deal in this, in that, in that way that TV was still this um, um, emerging um, uh, technology. Yeah, it, it is interesting, though, you can sort of see, as John was saying earlier on, um, the way in which it's developed from the original Quatermass experiment, which is fundamentally a theatre play yeah. on screen. They're actually making television now, but they're mm-hmm. they're making television, as, as you've sort of said, using radio as the way they do it. It's like radio is their way to do broadcast drama. So it's now a radio play on screen rather than a, a theatre play. It is, but yeah. which is quite. Nice. They're, they're pu- I mean, they're pushing the boundaries of what of what they of what they can do. But it's just often you're. I mean, this is like this is live TV, so most of it is. So like when in the, in the last episode, you've basically got a report from you know a plane over London, so they can describe the scale of the situation. The plane crashes, but obviously you can't show that. It's just got to be then you then cut to the radio. Um, everything everything has to be sold on a, a um, on a. A, a reaction a reaction basis, but you know that's as much. Yeah, a I mean, thing to do and this is. Um, yeah, and it's it's no um, slight to them mm, to say these no, things. No, not at so, all. You know, no. It's a very innovative, and also the other thing, again, it comes back to is that live theatre is amazing and and uh, very um, real as a result, and also again depends on super actors, you know, and 
the show is littered with uh, super actors. All even all the minor ones like uh, Mrs. Chilcott, um, you know, or, or Miss Dobson. All these small uh, little roles. They feel like real people. Every single mm. person you meet. Again, it comes back to good writing and also probably very good direction. Yeah. Oh, yeah. People are taking you very seriously. Um, this, this, there's, there's a sense that you're watching this. This is prestige television. Oh yeah. You know, shown after serious. nine o'clock, it has the "This is not for people of a faint disposition or children" um, warning beforehand. Um, Actually, to, 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 just to be anarchic, people, it, it, people it was, it was care that this is a flagship. Sorry. People are excited about it. My dad, um, who loved Quatermass and all those sorts of things, I remember him telling me about how when the Quatermass and the Pit came on and he was he was 18 at the time and he, you know, he was really excited that there was going to be a new Quatermass, you know, and he sat down and he caught every episode. Oh yeah, there was one of yeah, yeah. Um, the, uh, the the nerd in me will just point out the watershed wasn't a thing that the, the, the these four episodes went out at eight 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 p.m. and three and two went out at eight thirty. Oh, there you go. There you go, but it, right. uh, but that it doesn't. But it, they did have the warning beforehand, but, right? Um, yes, that was uh, that was that that was that, that was that was done in publicity as well. I think that as well. Right. Um, but the. Uh, the assumption that what we have here is a is an unexploded bomb. Of course, it's it's fifty eight, so that's you know it's mm-hmm. not a it's 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 a it's a perfectly reasonable thing. Introducing the bomb the bomb disposal squad um, allows for you know some new um, some 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 new characters. Notably, it's it it's John Stratton as uh, as Captain Potter um, because he 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 gets to ask to, he gets to as a sort of a second lead. He gets to sort of he's one of those characters that can sort of ask the questions. I think to it, but but I I was <laughs> amused and disappointed because he's in, he's also the, our only female character so so far now um, has a love interest because she clearly has to have one. <laughs> that's that's, that's well. To be fair, it's not it's not very overt, and no, I agree with you that that I do always have a bit of eye rolling when I yeah. see that. But Barbara Judge is a great character. She, oh, she and is, yeah. Neil always had really smart women in his uh, shows, which was something else I really liked about him as a writer. And they often were scientists. They might be termed assistants, but they were clearly scientists. Um, in, in this case, Barbara is referred to as an assistant, but she's clearly doing uh, as much work. And uh, they sometimes subvert and show the sexism of the characters. There's a little sequence in one of the later episodes where uh, Rooney says, well, you know, I gave her some time off and she's doing some female thing, like getting her hair done. And then Barbara turns up and she spent her time uh, researching and has actually made some very important contributions to the story around um, uh, Hobbes. Hobbes End, you know, the, yeah. the mythology of the place. And uh, I think that was just a classic without very, um, without putting up a, a blatant sign saying, oh, they're completely undervaluing her. They just show they're completely uh, taking, you know, they, Yes, I think you're right. I mean, that's, yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, Neil, you sort of, like, like you can see this in other Neil's stuff, like in the Stone Tape, oh, yeah. for instance, which is essentially all about Jane Asher's character being terrorised less by the ghost and more by the men she's surrounded by. Mm-hmm. So, sort of, yeah, it, Neil, Neil might have been an old misanthrope, but he kind of understood. You, you get the sense he's very angry 
about the injustices meted out to, you know, women and people who are perhaps less, less well privileged to use that word. There's no one understands what the meaning of on the internet anymore. Um, and he's really, really good at that. I think. I think there's an. So I, I, sorry, sorry, go, go on, John. I think there's an argument that possibly uh, you could look at the stone tape as a Quatermass story without Quatermass in it, and this is what happens when Quatermass isn't there. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's it, and it's and it's and it's disaster. The sort of the Breen character um, is is let is 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 left unchecked, and it 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 ends ends in Jane Asher's death. Um, yeah, I mean uh, the um, I mean he was very um, formative in. Uh, having the scientist as the protagonist, which, I mean, it does happen and it was happening, but certainly if you look at the original Quatermass, he certainly set up a stereotype of as the adventuring scientist yeah. who goes out and solves the problem. Um, and this rise of the boffin, I think it's very interesting where now we, all our television is full of scientists, adventurers, you know, and the scientist is, super important to solving crime like all the the all the crime shows have their yeah they've all got a scientist <laughs> guy in they have a girl. pile of them yep. these days no more than one you know yeah well, i mean how many csi shows yes, are there yes yes there's a and they all have their own stories and they're all you know looking for the truth which is what boffins and scientists should be doing is and that's certainly quite masses uh, he's always looking for the truth in a situation. Indeed, and I mean, one of the things that we pointed out before is that there were the the, the stereotype of the scientist um, before Quatermass is very much the maverick scientist, you know, the guy who goes off and um, does what he's not supposed to do and meddles in things that man is not supposed to know, and um, you know. Just generic Frankenstein, that sort of thing. Um, the bad scientist, the scientist, or, or the scientist who's even even if he is a bad scientist, he's the hero. And Quatermass is a good scientist, mm. generally. Quatermass is a scientist who does science, and I I think you know we couldn't have Doctor Who without him, obviously. Yeah, and and I mean the the opening, the big monologue of um, the first episode. Uh, the other thing about him is that he believes in the advancing of humanity and that we should be getting rid of all our old um you know we should be <clears throat> not going out into space and not there dragging our hatreds behind us i think is what he says and then that's termed yeah. by the military guys as naive <laughs> so. it is i think quatermass is also um it, it's the, the good thing to show him as the as the as the scientist as hero because he's operating um, beyond his uh, you know be, be, be beyond his level. This is a, this is a situation that's 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 got out of control. Um, he doesn't know what to do. He's doing the best he can in that in that in, the, in that that situation. And that's why you know that's why I think Don, uh, Brian Don Levy in the in the, in the first two Hammer films. Um, uh, loses so much with with, with Quatermass. Um, Quatermass is is 
is beyond beyond his limits, but nevertheless trying his best in an almost in an almost impossible situation. So that when you have you know a situation, you know, we've okay, we've uncovered a skull, great. You find the skulls, uh, you know, far, vastly older than than was initially initially expected, and then we've uncovered a bomb, okay, and then it's pointed out that the bomb that the bomb is lower down than the than the than the skull. So this bomb's uh, you know at least five million years old. Um, Which incidentally is good science. You know, he's yeah, thought about the yeah. fundamental um, principle of archaeology that stuff that's lower down is older. Yeah. You know, which people, you'd be surprised how many people seem to miss that in TV. Like these just basic fundamental ideas. Yeah. But it's um it's it's something that, that you know he wouldn't have to consider he's a, yeah he's 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 a rocket scientist, um and now we're de- and now we're you know ten years before chariots of the gods we're dealing with you know ancient ancient ten spaceship. years before chariots of the gods indeed. Where did you say the skull was found? Where exactly? Well, in the earth it's been dug away two or three feet above his level. That's right, isn't it? Yes, it was here. Is it, Bob? Why? What's wrong? If it was above this thing. Rony, tell me again, how long did you estimate that skull had been there? Something like five million years. Going back to characterization and stuff, I think it's interesting that you see the um, how the how the relationship between Quatermass and Breen is so very complex and realistic and developing. You have two guys who are clearly quite set in their opinions about things, but who are also doing the best they can. Breen isn't just isn't a villain. He isn't just sort of like a um he is a this, miserable yeah. kind of military guy. He's a guy a military guy who is doing the best he can given what he thinks you should do in situations like this. He is up to the point, I think, that the uh, the Martian bodies are uncovered. And then, yeah. and then he loses it. He can't. He can't cope from that point on. And then he does everything he can to to frustrate Quatermass, believing it to be a hoax. Because because what else? What else can it be? He can't cope with the reality, and he he dies because he has no he has no uh, involvement in the resolution of this tale. His 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 journey his journey is over up to that point. But then Breen hits a wall, and from that he can't he, he can't cope. Yeah, you really get the impression that Bream will cannot get behind the theory that humanity evolved from a genetic experience. Uh, sorry, experiment by Martian insect Martians. That seems to really throw him. <laughs> he just mm. can't. Once once that theory is out there, he's just like, well, I think the idea of a the Germans. Um, Planting the giant hoax is more believable than that. Yeah, even though that makes no sense for reasons yes. we'll, reasons we'll come on to, but, but he can, yeah, but he can't. Yeah, yeah. and he's... again, and yet it does make sense though, yeah, doesn't it? This is it. I think the the thing again, it comes back to he seized upon something that he can sell to the public, you know, which is you know, oh, you know, the Germans created this hoax back in the day, and and now we've only just uncovered it. Um, and it was to demoralize us and distract us. And that's a much more believable thing than saying, to many people, um, than saying, well, we're all the product of an alien experiment. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of, and again, when I listen to this stuff, I just think, oh, I can see people doing this 
today. You know, you come up with the the um, the thing that you can sell to the public, or in these days, the meme or the doctor photo, and you send it around, and everybody seizes on that while ignoring the science or ignoring the facts, which in this case. The science is proving because they're constantly doing tests. This is a classic, you know, again, question mask thing. Everyone's doing soil tests and samples and, you know, um, you know, trying to. And so the science supports and the logic supports what what Quatermass starts to believe has uh, has happened. But that's too hard for people to accept. I mean, to be fair, the aliens are project fear, aren't they? Yeah, I suppose that's one way of looking at it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, he, he Breen's got the point of Brexit viewpoint. It makes sense, and um, there, if I'm going to get political about this, which unfortunately I always inevitably do. Um, but yeah, the the aliens, even though they're utterly provable in the context of this, mm-hmm. they're the thing that people don't want to believe. Yeah. So you're right in that respect. So well, Breen though... can't accept it. No, um, yeah, he can't. You know, and that's interestingly, does. the parson seems uh, more willing to accept it, <laughs> um, though in a slightly more um, uh, spiritual way. But uh, yeah, because I guess uh, from his perspective, uh, it's slightly, uh, it's been known that there is some demon slash evil within man for a long time from his perspective so and in this place as well yeah yeah so it's like i know he comes in much later on but there is a yeah he's he's just and also i think he genuinely cares about the welfare of people which isn't at the highest priority of green of course not although it's interesting there's an interesting i think parallel between the 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 vicar uh and and Quatermass, and Quatermass and Breen. The vicar looks at Quatermass like Quatermass looks at Breen. Like, yeah. you, 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 you're, you're a reckless fool who doesn't care. Um, and yeah. I, th- I think that's, that, that's, that's a good wake-up call. Um, yeah, for, I mean, yeah, he's the one who keeps saying you can't keep putting people into yeah. this situation. Um, you know, you're jeopardising their lives. Yeah, we on this as well. But before that, um, we get, I think it's... They find a second in the second episode, which is called the ghosts. Uh, so we know where we're, we know where we're going. We're going possibly uh, tonally. Um, they've uncovered a second, a, a, sec, a, a second skull, and then to open up a second uh, plot point, um, Quatermass goes to investigate the nearby area where there's you know meant to be you know a haunted uh, the, the, the haunted house, which is where is it is it the Chilcots, the family are, uh, yeah. are seen, the family are, that are being that are being evacuated, but, and then they tell them, and he goes, is it there's a the, 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 there's a, a local policeman, I think played by Vic Platt, who um, so it says when he was growing up in there, but he, he's he he won't go in he won't go in the room uh, in that house, he's he's terrified, and even when Quatermass goes in there, and something happens to him, and that's like yeah, you know, and it's. We're into we're into very we're into very different territory, and it's and it's he sees it's, it's scratch there's scratches on the wall, so there's some there's 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 something physical that can manifest here. There's something that he can't explain that he, but that 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 he's experienced, and that um, that again we come and get back to the back to the stone tape, but that that that's the scene where the landlord of the pub talks about not being able to go in that room. Uh, in, the, in the in the in the stone tape, it's, it's reused 
uh, re, 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 it's reused well. Um, but I find it um, it's it's chilling when it happens to Quatermass, and he's had, for want of a better term, a supernatural experience with you know London's outside, all of civilizations outside, all the world he knows is outside. But here in this room, everything is uh, yeah, uh, ev- yeah. Everything's gone off. It's um, it's it's, yes. it's, 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 it's something he can't he can't cope with. But the scratches show that there's there, there's a physical threat to this to That's this right. thing. It's not yeah. it's not just in his head. Like it can hurt you. It can it can physically hurt you. Um, and yeah, the, these days we yeah, were terms like hauntology and, and psychogeography are being used in practically every practically everything to talk about um, to talk about our relationship with uh, with the with 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 with. with 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 the landscape but here it's um neil is once again very much ahead of the curve some kind of uh, ghost scare wasn't it <laughs> that's right sir nobody'd live in it shows you how soft people can be all the housing shortage and all 1927 did you live around here then oh, just a few streets away as a matter of fact sir. Well, i was only a nipper but i remember all the fuss us kids used to run and touch that front door just for days. And there were all sorts of tales about noises being heard, bangs and bumps, even things being seen. Well, you know how it is once they start. Look, see ya. This used to be the bad place. The old kitchen. Look at those scratches. What could have caused them? He goes to see Mrs. Chilcott, isn't it? Where they're where they're staying, and there's a there's a um, a leaf reading. So a tea leaf reading scene isn't there. Now we're into like the the the, the superstition, but the but a very but a very acceptable uh, mm-hmm. folkloric British working class superstition reading read 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 reading tea leaves. How would have, how would you do a lot on 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 folk horror? Have you have you come have you come across regular bits of how of acceptable bits of 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 of, uh, of folklore and the supernatural within within polite society like like, like the heart. Supposedly harmless, acceptable ways of, of, well, of reading tea leaves. Yeah, Here, here's the thing. My my mother um, was a spiritualist medium, um, so I I grew, I I grew up surrounded by the paraphernalia of the occult to some extent. But there is a general kind of differentiation between the acceptable occult and the not acceptable occult. Spiritualism is very much calf kids and occultism, if you like. It's very much the thing that respectable people did respectable working class people did um lower middle class aspiring daily mail reading kind of level of the occult my mum would do tea leaves and she would do cartomancy but only with regular playing cards because she wouldn't have tarot cards in the house because they were the occult right right um my dad would have books about atlantis and um about looking looking at the shelf because I've inherited most of them. Yeah, books about Atlantis, books about by the Harry Christers, and he had a copy of the Scientology book and all those sorts of things. But he wouldn't have a copy of the Satanic Bible in the house. Mm. You know that wasn't allowed. So 
there is a limit. There is a, a difference between these sorts of things. So, you know, you know, in the 50s, 60s and 70s, people did tea leaf readings all the time, yeah. you know. Yeah, and, and actually, I think I think the tea leaf scene for me is um, partly a way of quarter. Uh, you know, Quatermass is, you know, he's trying to get information, but seeing these people who he needs information from indulging in tea reading immediately puts him off. Mm. You know, yeah. he immediately starts to, um, you know wonder about the information he's getting from them so i do think that scene it sort of uh is almost code for saying is this art is this information reliable and he certainly doesn't want to be around too much he has no time for tea leaving (laughs) tea tea leaf reading that's for sure indeed actually yeah it's probably only when um is it barbara shows him the press cuttings uh from yes and their photocopies the point out 1958 photocopy that must have been that must that was that was that was that was, that was cutting edge technology but it's like of a haunting from from 1927 and it's then mm-hmm. i think that, it, that then he takes it seriously i suppose not with uh, not with the two uh, even though that they will back up what he's what he said mm-hmm. but then because you know science is anecdotes is no good for science and and even the policeman you know these are feelings you know i think you're exactly correct is that when he sees the scratches on the wall he that's what he sees seizes on because he's like, okay, that's real. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This can this, this, this it can hurt you. It not just you know disturb you. I think is the way. Mm. It's empirically provable. Yeah, yeah. I can see it. Um, Quatermass goes to visit Rooney uh, where he works. Is it the Nicklin, uh, the the Nicklin Institute? So you yes. know we, we go from the 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 cozy tea leaves of that awkwardly termed you know, like the. the the old wives' tales, as as it's somewhat problematically put, to you know hard science, um, but it still has its it still has its problems. So while he's um, uh, Rooney's a paleontologist, so he's you know he's you know, he's postulating all his anthropological uh, anthropological theories. But while they while he's doing that, just to make the scene interesting, I like um, you've got Andre Morel's um, you know wandering around, and comes across the the optic encephalograph. The mind, oh, which is a brilliant name. Oh, the, the mind telly. <laughs> the mind telly. That's brilliant. Hmm. What's going here? Oh, just a sort of nonsense thing. Doesn't really work. Hmm. You make it? Uh huh. I didn't know you had a mechanical streak. Oh, I don't go grubbing in the dirt all the time, you know. Oh, it does me for a hobby or a vice. I like to fiddle with it, or used to when I had time. Well, it looks like a space helmet, <laughs> a popular version. No, far from it. Oh, it's an idea I've been chasing for quite a while. Connected with my work in a way, you know, study of savage peoples, their beliefs, their customs. Well, what does it do? Well, as a matter of fact, it doesn't do anything. <laughs> Properly, that is. The, the principle of it... Well, you know the old business of catching electrical discharges from the brain? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm trying to go further to focus in there on the optical centers, interpret subjective impressions, see what the subject sees in the mind's eye. Oh, I've even got a name for it. Optic encephalograph. I, um, when I first watched it, I just went, oh, sod off. That's, that's just stupid. And then, like, check yourself, because this is, nine, this is I'm, I'm watching it now in, in 2019. Yes. This is not 1958. This is, uh, I'm in 1958. We're not yet at Harold Wilson's 
white heat of technology um, speech, and you didn't know what was what was what was what was possible. And it was like, you know, I I I want to. <laughs> I, I, my first reaction was to was to was to was to want to laugh at it as a, just a, as a lazy trope that could be that could be used later. And then I thought that that's that's that that that's that's pure arrogance. Uh, it may it would be a scientific so a science fiction cl- cliche now, but here we are at the you know, the, da- the dawn of the space race, and you know, it's it's it such a thing could was 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 a uh, was probably more um, plausible than I than I than I than I initially gave gave it credit for. But also, it would have been a concept nobody may have thought about yeah. when they saw that movie. Sorry, the TV show. It would have been, oh my God, we yeah. can one day look yeah. into our minds and have it recorded. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, actually, I love it because I love, um, I love that this era, that vibe of you know, it's it's such a cool clunky device that sticks on sits yeah, on the head with wires <laughs> and actually I I really love this device and I think it's a, a it's a good plot device as well. It, 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 of... it, it is it is and given you know this is a story in which we will come up with a scientific explanation for ghosts why 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 can't we have uh, yeah, visualization of of, 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 yes. of, 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 of mental of mental images uh, anyway they've uncovered they've uncovered the bomb now. Uh, and we see uh, what we now know to be the the Martian spaceship in its in its BBC visual visual effects glory. I I mean, where do you stand, both of you, on what's better, the the uh, the, the the Martian ship in the TV series or the Martian ship in the film? Ooh, they're both they're both good in their way, but I suppose I think the film it looks more like a a spaceship. It's uh, it's it's actually a really nice looking a spaceship in the film. Uh, by my standards, I mean the 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 uh, and the, the TV one likes is it's 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 pretty phallic. That's yeah, thing. Freud has it's a good would, would have a, would have a good field day uh, describing it as well. Yeah, also, uh, yeah. Kim Newman said it looked like a, a knocked over Dalek. Yeah, um, which yeah. It, which oh, now yeah. yes, which obviously there was no such thing as a Dalek in fifty years, but now you yeah. can't you can't you 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 can't you can't unsee yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah, can't you yeah. can't unsee it. But um, Breen. As you would expect, and with some sympathy, assumes 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 it's a it's it, it, it's 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 a weapon. Um, it's a bomb, yeah. yeah. And well, you, you, would. you would, and that's also sort of London in the fifties. You know, they're yeah. still digging up unexploded bombs right into the sixties, weren't they? Mm-hmm. So, but they find markings on the in, on the inside. Now Rooney says that it's an occult pentangle, but that's not what it looks like on screen. It's not obviously even even watching the the Blu-ray. Um, it's it looks more like um, like a like a six petal rosette. Or I'm not I'm not quite sure. Did he, but Rooney says very much it's definitely like a, an occult pe- pentangle. But it looked it didn't look like a pentangle to me. Did it to you? Or was I just no, saying it wrong? No, no. I mean, yeah, it looks like yes. That's exactly what it looked like from what you're saying. That yeah, that the um, the that could have just been a mis um, you know a misspoken. Uh, term that they used maybe or maybe and everyone knows the word pentacle it's like oh it's a cult yeah (laughs) yeah, pentangle and a pentacle are different things that's the other thing that is correct yes True, um, but um, but I wonder if it was whether it was a mistake in the script or whether it was they gave it to the designers and said put put an occult pentacle or whatever they said and that yeah Clifford didn't necessarily know what what that was looked up um, some designs of you know, on church carvings and came up with the uh, you know 
the flower of life or something as some, 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 something as well but anyway you know they indeed they so because they the, that thing about the hatch we were talking yes about. indeed yeah they so yes. they see they, they see the the uh the occult symbol for want of a better term whatever 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 it is again um potential you know shades of maybe mr james looking at you know um warning signs on on things as ignorant academics and people stumble across what they what 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 they yeah. what, 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 what what they don't understand but so far you know the, the the weirdness you know that weird with a y that, that people people like to use now it's only been described sort of in you know vague vague terms miss dobson you know is ill uh quatermass has 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 an experience but now we have a significant development even though you don't see it more going back to what you said about how the, it's, it's the reaction rather than rather than what you see is um a soldier sees a figure walk through walk through walk walk walk, walk, th- walk through the wall and you know as you would complete completely freaks out um breen's immediate idea um is you know to dismiss it and like he's just he's just he's just 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 to see something but the fact is we now have a haunting we have a haunting happening now and it's yes and that's i think that's and that's where episode two ends and i think that's uh that's that's that that's that's that that's that's very powerful but um in the third episode and i was actually no more the third episode but what i was as you as you go on and you compare and you compare this to the film it's in what's interesting is in the film you don't see that ghost either yeah you don't see those and it's like you know hammer's stock in trade is you know shock visuals mm-hmm. um you only ever see the the, the soldiers the 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 the, the, sol, the, sol, the soldiers reaction so even when hammer was doing what, what Baker's doing this the reaction was probably seen as more mm-hmm. as more frightening than the the whatever than what it, than whatever they would have shown and when the guy faints, uh, someone says, I think one of the other um, soldiers says, he's got the horrors. He's got and the I horrors, love yes, that line. Yes. Because I haven't heard that term in a while. So, um, yeah. But, um, but it's also a kind of, um, uh, it, it also puts a note immediately in at the very beginning of the episode. So there's a certain ratcheting up happening in the first two episodes and of course episode three that means we're firmly in the middle now so Mm. things have to start escalating and we'll conclude our look at the bbc's quatermass in the pit serial next time when you can find out exactly what howard means by kath kitston occultism our thanks to maura for her time you can find out more about Moira and her work at her website, splinister.com. Our thanks also to Steve Horry and Andrea Kinnear. Burkhast is presented by John Deere and Howard Ingham and is edited by Emma Cooper. You can visit our website at burkhast.room207press.com, visit us on Facebook or on Twitter, it's at Burkhast Calling. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.